This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. To the letter from Paul to the Galatians, that inspired letter in our New Testament. I will tell you that as I prepared for the message this morning, I felt very inadequate but greatly moved by the truth that we're going to consider today. As we start a new year and reflect back on Christmas, the truths that we're going to look at ought to move us to our core, bring tears to our eyes, and fill our hearts with gratitude. And yet we have this flesh. And you may not feel well this morning. You may be back from traveling and your body uh, perhaps feels like it's in another time zone, whatever. But would you ask the Spirit of God this morning to move you with this truth and to help you so grab hold of it that it makes 2022 the best year you've had, regardless of your circumstances. As we gather today, we've not only entered a new year, but we're also living in the aftermath of another Christmas. Somebody says, Pastor, how'd you do with your exercising during Christmas? Well, frankly, it's none of your business how I did with it. Uh, but I've told some folks I did a lot of it. I mean, this, this arm is in great shape, okay? That may be part of your aftermath. You got ready for church this morning. Things were just a little tighter. I don't know. There are the usual hassles and also the letdowns from the holidays, taking down decorations, the day after Christmas, Renee and I, we were married the day after Christmas. We were headed out for a, a getaway. And already that next morning, one of the neighbors in the, near where we were staying was already out there wrapping up the Christmas lights. And as we passed it, my wife just groaned. Oh, look at what they're doing. At our house, those lights stay up all January. They are winter lights. They're not just Christmas lights. But did you have to stand in any lines to return gifts? I had to be in a store to just take back something that was, it wasn't a gift. And I walked in and looked at the line and turned around and walked right back out. I thought, you know, it, there's going to be a better day. I'm sure of it. For believers, our look back is usually wonderful as we've worshipped the Lord and enjoyed celebrating His birth, especially if we've got saved family. It's just, it's just adding to the wonderful memories and a reminder of what heaven's going to be like when we're all together there. But for unbelievers, and even some believers, this can be a difficult time. If they are looking to relationships and receiving gifts to satisfy their hearts apart from Christ. It doesn't matter if a man gains the whole world, what can he give in exchange for his soul? And you can own the whole world and it will never satisfy your heart if Jesus isn't there. 
Sadly, many are now dealing with debt, disappointment, and they doubt whether 2022 will be any different than the previous year. For the Bible characters in the Christmas story, the aftermath was filled with sorrow and sacrifice. Have you ever just thought about the aftermath of the first Christmas? Herod will go down to Bethlehem, will send soldiers to Bethlehem and slaughter the children that are there. Joseph and Mary will flee to Egypt for their safety. And then nothing happens. So your shepherds, you've been visited by an angelic choir on the hillsides of Bethlehem. You have rejoiced, and you heard good preaching about that last Sunday morning. You've rejoiced in what you have seen. You're convinced. Now what? And they wait, and they wait, and they wait. The wise men, I think, wondered, we have been miraculously led to see the Christ child. Now what? I don't think uh, that they, or I think that they were told what Herod had done. So they're living with that. He sent soldiers to try to find him that was born king of the Jews. Herod would have been clueless if we hadn't visited Herod. That was their aftermath. And so has anything really changed? And people go on with their lives. However, the New Testament as a whole gives us the aftermath of Christmas and the glorious perspective of what really happened at Jesus' first coming. And one of the clearest passages of the aftermath of Christmas is found in Galatians 4. And I'd like us to read together verses 4 to 6. If you're physically able, would you stand with me? Galatians chapter 4. And let's just read together in unison verses 4 to 6. Beginning in verse 4, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You may be seated. Today we need to see the aftermath of Christmas, this first Christmas, and the amazing blessings that Christmas brought through the Lord Jesus Christ. He was given that we might receive His very person. And as I said earlier, He really is the gift that keeps on giving. I hope that you'll look at Christmas in this light. Yes, God sent His Son to be born of a virgin. Jesus was born and then placed in a manger. That babe was held by Mary, then grew to maturity, lived a perfect life for three and a half years, led disciples and illustrated, in fact, that His claims were true, he is the very God, the God-man. And then he died on a cross. 
shed his blood. Three days later, he bodily rose from the grave. But he did all that for you and me so that you and I could not just receive his gift of salvation, listen, so that we could receive him. You have the opportunity, according to the scriptures, and if you will believe the gospel, to have the babe in the manger who grew to be the Christ of the cross indwelling you right now. What a gift. That's why he came. And associated with his giving are all the blessings that we have in Christ our inheritance. He is our new nature. He is our eternal life already. As you put away your decorations from another Christmas and perhaps are dealing with some disappointment, uh, as has already been mentioned today, the difficulty of not having a loved one there for this Christmas that you've had for all the other Christmases. Whatever's happened during the holidays, Set your heart on the big picture, the true aftermath of what happened when Jesus came. And I've entitled this morning's message, Christmas Aftermath. And so look at verse 4, and I'm going to take the text this morning. Uh, you can uh, see the outline just based on how this text is structured. Again, sometimes I think outlining can take away from what the text is doing because we feel like we have to have so many points and they all need to begin with the same letter or whatever, all right? We're not going to do that. I think if we did that with this text this morning, it would actually not help us understand it. And so as you look at verse 4, you are given this, this phrase that really helps us understand the subordinate phrases that are going to come on under it. But when the fullness of time was come... When time was filled out. Now, who made time? God did. Who manages time? God does. Who determines what's going to happen in that time? God. Why did he create time? So that through his management, he could fulfill his purposes for us. And so the God who controls time, in the fullness of time, he set a deadline, he set a time when everything <clears throat> that he had been working for would be filled up when this event happened. What is Paul referring to in the fullness of this time? God sent forth his son. All right. Now let's, let's just step away and take a closer look. Christ did not come immediately after the fall, so man could see several things in time. God wanted man to see the deadly fruits of his sin. Is it so bad eating a bite out of a piece of fruit? Oh, by the way, the answer is yes, it is, because God said don't. But it wasn't really that bad. Well, Adam and Eve immediately experienced the shock of going from complete innocence to now being sinful. 
So if they could be here on the platform and testify today, they would say, it's real bad. But we wouldn't be convinced. If one of our children disobeys, gets in the refrigerator, has something to eat, we wouldn't call that a cardinal sin. But as we watch mankind through the scriptures, we see, oh yes, sin is awful. In fact, that innocent man and woman had two boys, and one of those boys murdered the other. And it continued to decline. And so the fruits of sin. But God also waited because he wanted man to see his inability to save himself. Going back to Cain and Abel. God had already established by shedding the first blood in the Bible. When did he do that? Adam and Eve realized that they were naked. They tried to cover themselves. And as, as I've started to read through the Bible again this year, I, I was just studying this in Genesis. Literally, when they sewed their fig leaves together, it covered just from the waist down. What a pathetic illustration of man trying to cover his sin before God. But God took care of the problem. He shed blood and he covered the man and the woman. And by the way, he covered them completely. But Cain thought, well, I'll go to God my way, my works. The, the, the vegetation, the, the fruit, the vegetables that I produce. God said, Cain, that's not acceptable. Bring an acceptable sacrifice, and here is the heart of God. I'll accept it. But if you don't, sin lies at the door. God knew what he was going to do after he left the presence of God. And then God gave his law through Moses. Man proved he could not keep God's law. But God also delayed to show the love and power of himself to have a plan in place to redeem mankind back to himself. In fact, Adam and Eve won't leave the garden before God has declared to them his plan. And we'll see that in a little bit. Of course, God's plan of redemption was predicted and explained through the multiple prophecies fulfilled at Jesus' first coming. And it all came to fruition when the fullness of time was come. And at that time, we've just celebrated, God sent forth his son. Literally, the Greek language here says this, God sent forth from himself his son. It's the same word in verse 6. We'll see in a moment. A God sending forth the spirit of his son. Reminding us that when it comes to the blessings of Christmas, the aftermath of Christmas, God really did give himself, all of himself, Father, Son, Spirit, because he loves us. So God sent forth his Son. Then notice, made of a woman. That's the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15, what we call the first announcement of salvation, the protevangelium. Where God says, after everybody's blamed each other for the sin, God gets to the source of the temptation and he says to Satan, I'm sending the seed of the woman. And he is going to crush your head 
though you're going to bruise his heel. And then the words of Isaiah 7:14, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Now this one who was sent in the fullness of time, made of a woman, here's the description now, in the fullness of time, made of a woman, a virgin shall conceive, made under the law. Now let's stop for a moment. This is telling us he was made to be subject to it. If you make the rules, do you feel like you can break the rules? Sure. Okay. Well, I, I made that. I, I get to decide whether I'm going to follow it or not. The only difference is when God makes the law, it reflects on his unchanging character. Can't break the law. And the fact is, he's not going to break the law. And so his law defines himself while it also makes us obligated to please him. He's creator. He gets to decide that. But, but here's the reality. Jesus came. It was his law and he subjected himself to his law. He willingly submitted himself to it. Though he was sinless. He didn't need the law because he never breaks law. He's holy. But he submitted himself to it, proving his deity and, listen, his worthiness to do what verse 5 is going to show us. He's God. How did he prove it? He kept his law perfectly. He said, I didn't come to annul it. I came to fulfill it. And he did it perfectly. But he did that. Verse 5, now watch, in order or for the purpose to redeem those who are under the law. What, what is this saying? The word redeem means to pay a price in order to buy back. When man sinned, he chose another family. When man sinned, Instead of freedom, he chose bondage. Now he's in a slave market called sin. It's got a death grip on him or her, literally. So he came, submitted himself to his law to prove to everyone he is God because the rest of us can't keep his law. He did. And by keeping the law, he also made himself qualified. Because he didn't deserve the penalty of the law, he made himself quali qualified to pay the penalty for those of us who are under the law and guilty under the sentence of death. That's what he did. To redeem them, there were under the law the condemnation of it, condemned to death. As John in his gospel uh, records the Lord saying, He that believeth not is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already under the sentence of death. Now what was the price required to buy us back? It would be Jesus' very life. 
Think of this. To this point, sheep died and shed their blood for shepherds. Now the shepherd would die and shed his blood for the sheep. In fact, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. You know what the original language really is there? I am the shepherd, the good one. And he defines why he's the good one, because I lay down my life for the sheep. Again, look at verse 5. To redeem them that are under the law, that or in order for this purpose, that we might receive the following gifts along with his person. What are those gifts that we receive? Well, notice that we might receive first the adoption of sons. If we could just look at the entire context here, and we're going to do this in just a moment, this is a passage that talks about adoption. In fact, in chapter 4, look at verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world, but when the fullness of time was come. So, so what is the Lord saying here? Back in Paul's day, you could be born into a wealthy family. In fact, once you got old enough to realize your position on this planet, you could look and see a mansion, you could see servants, you could see all kinds of wealth. And when you got old enough, you realized, you know what, all that stuff someday is going to be mine as the heir. But in those households... The, the parents would assign servants to do the training of the heir, of those children. And so they made them go to school. Listen to this. They disciplined them. Now, they were careful when they disciplined because the kid might grow up and now be my master, so i got to be nice to a point. But there was discipline. They trained them. They were preparing them for life. And what the Lord is saying is, my sons and daughters, in a similar way, are under bondage. People are under bondage, but then when they believe on me. Now, here's what adoption is. Today, adoption means I was born to other parents, and then new parents take me in. That's not the biblical picture. Adoption is I'm Born into the family of God. Born again, right? Got to be born of water and of the Spirit. But it means that when I am birthed into the family of God, instead of having those who tutor me and so on, and I have to get to a point where I earn the privileges of the heir, here's what the scripture is saying. As soon as you're born into the family, you have all the privileges. You have already inherited. Every Christian here today, you have already inherited heaven. You just aren't there yet. It's already yours. Read Ephesians chapter 1. And so, in the fullness of time, Christ came, was sent by the Father to redeem us so that when we put our faith in Him, we are immediately saved and we receive all the full rights and benefits of one of his children. 
And because ye are sons, verse 6, there's yet another gift. Not only do you have him, not only do you have the inheritance from him, but God, <coughs> excuse me, has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. The moment you get saved, the spirit of Jesus, the very God, comes to live in your heart. Now, songwriters at Christmas have said, you know, there was no room in the inn. Is there room in your heart? I'm so thankful that the Lord, who was born in a shepherd's cave, is willing to reside in my heart. And if you study the New Testament, when does the Holy Spirit leave the Christian? He doesn't. He is with you forever. Imagine that. You're in heaven. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. You're going to worship before that great throne. And yet wherever you go in the new Jerusalem, on the new earth, Jesus is right here. And right now he is proof that you've been purchased. He bears witness with your spirit. You're a child of God. So in the fullness of time, God did what, he said, did what he did in sending Jesus so that he could send Jesus into your heart. All right, so that's why I said, preparing for this message, I'm thinking, Lord, this ought to drop me to my knees and paralyze me with joy. God, help me to feel it. And I'll tell you, in the music this morning, I was feeling it. I could tell you were feeling it. That is the aftermath of Christmas. But it gets better. Not only does he come into our hearts, but he prompts us to, look at the end of verse 6, to cry, Abba, Father. We could have spent the entire message just looking at this, but let's, let's do so quickly. That word Abba is the Aramaic word for a child expressing the closest relationship with a father. And it usually sounds like this. Dad! Did you ever have any of those dad experiences growing up? I did. Things chasing me that shouldn't have been chasing me. All right? Dad! And other experiences. And why do you cry out? Because you have a relationship with the Father that He recognizes that sound. When I, 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 I know there's Dad, and then there's Dad. Dad always got my attention, and I came running. The Holy Spirit of Christ living in your heart is prompting you in those times when you need Daddy to cry, Daddy. And who comes? Your father. Now, some of you are going to struggle at this point because your earthly father perhaps was not like the father in heaven. And your flesh is going to pull back a little bit and say, well, I know what my dad was. No, no, no. You need to just erase that and you need to get into the Word of God, and you need to see the Father as who He really is. Amen. 
And so, in what kinds of circumstances can you cry out, Daddy? Well, let me give you the worst experience that happened in the life of Jesus. He's all man, but he's all God, so he's all-knowing. He's in a garden called Gethsemane. His disciples are sleeping. They're exhausted. They're tired. He's asked them to stay up and to pray and to watch. He goes deeper into the garden. And a couple years ago, those of us who traveled to Israel together, we got to be in that spot in that garden. It moved us. But Jesus is praying, and he, it's, it's emotionally so difficult for him, he is sweating literally drops of blood. You have never experienced that. Because he knows what is going to happen to him in the hours that are coming. And do you know, as he prays to the Father and he says, let this cup pass from me, do you know what word he uses according to Mark's gospel? Abba. And just like God, by the way, angels came and ministered to him. God heard him. But what did Jesus say? Not my will, thine be done. There was only one way that those of us under the law could be delivered from sin. Jesus had to do the delivering. And so he cries out, and what is the word that he uses that the Father hears? It's Abba. And what is the word that the Holy Spirit is prompting us to say to God in those worst experiences that we have? Daddy? Can you take that into a new year? You better. You should. It's your privilege. Abba, Father. Take your Bibles and turn over with me to Romans chapter 8. This is a parallel text that sheds more light on this wonderful, wonderful word in our Bible. Romans chapter 8, notice verse 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Obviously a parallel passage to Galatians 4. You have have been delivered from sin, you have been delivered from the fear of sin and its guilt. Don't submit yourself again to that bondage. But ye have received the spirit of what? Say it louder. Adoption. That's who you are. Full rights and benefits as a child of God. Wherefore we cry what? Abba, Father. Do you know what fear is? Dumb question. We all experience it. Anxiety is the alarm that goes off. When you experience it, what does the Lord bid you do? Go to the Father and cry, Daddy. Now later on, Paul will give us more help with this. Go down to verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. In other words, you can cry out, Daddy, but... You don't even know what you need most of the time. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You cry out to the Father. You know what the Holy Spirit is doing? 
He's talking to God and he's saying exactly what you need as his child. It's God speak. You can't even begin to know what they say to each other. But they know. And they are all knowing. That's who you are in the aftermath of Christmas. So Christian, you can completely trust him. You've been equipped for a new year and life because you've received the gift of God's son. This is the true aftermath. This is what we have celebrated and give thanks for at the Lord's table today. This is what we're going to thank him for. This is the relationship you and I have. And it cost him everything. You need not fear, but you do owe him your all. So do I. And by the way, you get to determine what 2022 is going to look like based on how much of Jesus you're going to give back. You have all of him. Are you going to obey him? How much of you is he going to get? He gave his all. He deserves your all. So this is the aftermath. May we rejoice in it. Let's bow our, our hearts and our heads. Father, thank you that in the fullness of time you sent Jesus. Thank you that we can even come and call you Father today. But Lord, you are worthy of our all. You gave your all for us. Father, would you help us to love you so much that we come to you for help, that we come to you with praise. And Lord, would you take this precious church family and would you help us to live this year in the aftermath of Christmas knowing that when we fear, when we struggle, we can come, cry, Daddy, and Holy Spirit, you not only prompt us, but then you communicate to the Father what we need. And you have already communicated what we need in your word if we're willing to go there. So, Lord, be, be glorified in our responses today. In Jesus' name, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Christian, Would you give thanks to the Lord today for the relationship that is the result of him sending his son? Do that. And then right now, would you confess to the Lord, Lord, you gave me your all, thank you. But Lord, I confess you deserve my all. And then would you say this to him? As I start a new year, God, you get all of me. No reservation. Would you say that to the Lord? Mean it. And if there's anything that you've held on to in the past, any pet sin, any doubtful thought, any bitter thought, if there's any of that standing in the way, of you being able to enjoy the satisfaction of your relationship with Jesus, you need to confess that to him right now.
Maybe it's some sinful act in the previous year or maybe the previous weekend. Would you make that right with the Lord? He's already paid for that sin in his own body on the cross. But would you make that right? Now, Father, you hear us. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that you're always with us. That our relationship with you isn't based on where we're at spiritually because we're already your children. And Lord, it doesn't have to be influenced by our physical, emotional struggles. But Lord, we do need to be right with you, so work. Now Father, bless this time at your table, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.